You're listening to Rect Radio, the source for thoughtful interviews with technology leaders, blockchain engineers, and social media trendsetters making an impact in new media. Now, here's Rob. Hey guys, it's Robert. So I got some requests to read some of the articles that I do, uh, chiefly among them, the altcoin author weekly newsletter that dives into blockchain, SaaS, finance, um, and private equity, that sort of thing. So I also, um, for people that are hearing impaired, my understanding is they would just have to copy and paste it and have it read off that way, which is... You know, there's some programs that are better at that than others, but by and large, it's kind of a drag. So I figured that I, as the author, would just read it myself for people that want to take in an article while they're hitting golf balls, running, doing other activities, or driving. So here it is. The title is The Five Reasons Why Visa's Foray into NFTs is a Watershed Moment for Blockchain by me, Robert Mallory. So Visa just spent $150,000 on a non-fungible token or NFT of a digital punk from the CryptoPunks collection from the Larva Lab studio. This is a watershed moment for a number of reasons. Visa is a monolith of a traditional financial institution finally kowtowing to a crypto project. That is big. Visa, the traditional financial USD fiat dependent institution, have long been antithetical, uh, this and other ones, to any type of cryptocurrency or blockchain developments. The growth of this ecosystem takes away from activity in the traditional antiquated financial markets, of which Visa has a considerable stake and vested interests in its continued utility. And then number two, I have, it's a huge PR boost for Larva Labs and the use case of explosive, expensive art on the blockchain. While most NFTs are less than $100 in value, there are also a handful of projects that see six-figure sales as a regularity. For some, you can't even buy the NFTs, uh, project's NFT without shelling out the cost of the down payment on a house or really the whole house itself. And in this visual, it shows that one of them sold for 2500 Ethereum, which not too long ago was $7.58 million. And then other ones are well into the seven figures, at least for the top five. Oh, it looks like actually the top uh, 10. Many would have scoffed at well-heeled rational investors dipping heavily into their pockets to include this digital art into the alternative asset segment of their portfolio. That it really is true. It creates further visibility for the important work of Larva Labs, doing it to build out this nascent industry of digital art long ridiculed as having no meaningful value beyond that, which a corporation will throw in the artist's direction to fashion something together. The narrative forever, and continues to be, is that art is seemingly devoid of value without having been hand-painted with oils or pastels and signed by the artists themselves in a one-of-one or as part of a limited series. We're talking about art that can be resold at auction with real collectability value. Do not buy art on a cruise ship or anything other than authorized or signed by the artists themselves and be exceptionally careful when it's authorized by the estate of the artist. These works largely have no value. Three, OpenSea has been crowned king of the NFT platforms. As a home of CryptoPunks, this represents an important feat for OpenSea, which has been an absolute behemoth in the space 
with an avalanche of activity and the de facto home for NFTs. And it's just, there's a visual on here that shows the volume is over a billion, which is many multiples of what it was even at the beginning of the year and hugely different than last year when it was a blip on the radar relative to other areas that were getting a lot of traction like decentralized finance, which I believe now has $80 billion staked in various projects. The secret sauce of with OpenSea was their willingness to let everyone with a Web 3.0 wallet like MetaMask on the platform. Other platforms were curating for the most sellable artists and hoped to market them on their own. But in the process, they left out 99% of artists who felt spurned. And these artists brought their fans to OpenSea to see their exhibited works. Further, the willingness of OpenSea to start integrated blockchains other than Ethereum like Polygon represents a demonstrated willingness to be nimble in terms of alternative blockchain architectures. Many in the ecosystem are Ethereum maximalists and prefer to absorb the high gas fees associated with doing this presently. Hugely congested network as opposed to entertaining, bringing NFTs to other blockchains like XDAI, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, or any number of different smart contract capable blockchains, which is ones that largely use Solidity. It introduces for a level of seriousness to the NFT discussion. For years, the NFT community was mocked, slided, and any committed artist to this space was seen as scraping the last dredges of monetization to support their fledgling art to debase themselves to hawking NFTs, the ultimate belittlement to corral what could be collected in terms of an earnings. Well-known contemporary artists would not lower themselves to introduce an NFT offering, much like film actors for the longest time looked down upon TV work as often embarrassing to have take to take on the sign that one's career was on the de descent rather than ascent. Now it seems every major movie star either is in a TV project for Netflix or another production company, or their in-house production companies have a TV project in the works. Hopefully NFTs continue to enjoy a shift of this scope. You know, it's perfectly rational, however, that if someone is given a one person show in the Chelsea art district of Manhattan, that one would immediately take it. And that's what Damien Hurst and other contemporary art visionaries, visionaries regularly do. It puts them in front of an elite set of art buyers who appreciate the one-on-one -on -one experience of interfacing with an artist to learn a bit of their style, but also revel in the flattering attention that whales in the art collecting market demand and enjoy. You know, they get it because they buy these hugely expensive pieces. Artists do this, but they are also doing NFTs as well. And in the article, it shows a side-by-side -side of Damien Hurst, who's a, one of the highest selling contemporary artists that's living uh, alongside a traditional gallery that's selling prints to the gallery, which will very likely sell out of that gallery and will split with the gallery. And then you have him doing his own thing um, with his partners, I assume, but doing about it through uh, NFTs. So five, it introduces NFTs to effectively the world. The number of people who have a Visa card is jaw dropping. 353 million in the US, 803 million outside of the US, and cumulatively that amounts to 1.141 billion people. And you know, how do you get a Visa card? You have to be of age. So that excludes kids, which they're in a lot of countries, you know, kids outnumber people, what, two to one for people that are under 18. So, you know, you're effectively having every other adult with a Visa card in their wallet in some form. Uh, and then you have a, a certain um, number of countries that, yeah, they're unbanked. So 
really, this is the whole Western world. Visa's efforts to trumpet their foray into the space is illuminating NFTs on the world stage in a way that crypto enthusiasts and mass adoption advocates have been pining for since the birth of blockchain. And on the article, I show an example of essentially Visa trumpeting this investment in the CryptoPunks on all of their social media, which is getting a huge number of retweets, comments, and likes. Instead of introducing NFTs to the world through the prism of why would someone buy or pay $69 million for an image you could copy and paste to your desktop for free? You're saying, wow, it looks like even long-standing mainstream financial institutions are relenting to the pressure to be seen as first movers in tech with the hopes of earning some level of accompanying positive press praising their forethought. Maybe there's something to this blockchain deal. This does much to change the collective narrative. I do a fair amount of content crafting, consulting, and coding for an NFT-focused project, the NFTs DAO. And my experience with them and having owned NFTs since the CryptoKitties craze of 2017, uh, I have a few thoughts on NFT as, as an asset class. You know, one, it's speculative and less wrapped with a token or instrument of range-bound value. You know, these value, the value of these assets is largely a function of uh, which prominent accounts are trumpeting a process praise. So essentially what I mean by that is there are whales that a lot of people listen to and it's the spokes and the wheel. They're the spokes and their followers are the wheel. So they're essentially setting up and moving along the machinations of that um, dynamic. So there are many Twitter accounts that are well regarded and invest a full-time effort into finding high value, low cost NFTs, collecting a rate many of them and then singing their praises. There are this is the essence of investing th through social proof. You know, and we think about social proof, like you won't go to a restaurant a lot of times, or certainly not take a date there if you haven't been there yourself without going to TripAdvisor or Yelp and these sites and then checking to see, is there a lot of five stars? Do I believe what's being written here? Or does it seem like it was paid for or manufactured? And do I believe, you know, what I'm saying? And I think largely people will go to images. Images, it's tough to lie with an image. You can only distort it to a certain amount. So people will use social proof and then their own eyes to judge a place or a project in this circumstance. Winners have many fathers, but failure is an orphan. In the eye of an investor, the likelihood that when an analyst makes a prediction about a project, then it's a bullish sign. While, as every disclosure likes to broadcast, past performance is not indicative of future success. It is often a better bellwether than taking a random member of the population. You know, they had that experiment back in the 20s where they had a monkey throw a dart on a newspaper and, you know, they did as well as analysts. So even in the financial markets, you're going to have to, to be able to beat the market over and over again. I think there's just a small number of people that could reliably say that they've done that, you know, Warren Buffett and people that have been hugely successful, but by and large, individual asset allocators or hedge fund managers or portfolio managers of any stripe will not in 99.9% .9 of cases beat an index on a year to year basis, which is why it's so popular to just jump into an index fund and try to stop or, or, or throw up your hands in terms of timing the market or doing your own due diligence, unless you're in private equity, I would say. Back to the article, cops will tell you that past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. And in the venture capital world, especially, a major consideration is who is the leadership team and who is investing in the company. 
If either the leadership or early round investors have an impressive track record, then more investors feel comfortable with sticking their necks out and tossing their capital in a project's direction. Sophisticated investors often like to bet the jockey even over the horse, that is to say, if there's a really impressive leader at the helm of a company that's just marginal, they're still going to invest in the company, both because the company may be trading for a discount and because they trust the executive to be able to pull off from the confidence chiseled from past successes and right the ship, resulting in, you know, obviously a handsome multiple for uh, all investors that went out on a limb. Uh, two, artists need to be visible. I see many artists that want to churn out a few dozen interesting looking works and then sit back as the perceived tsunami of royalties and sales sail in. Doesn't work that way. You can be sure about that. Uh, there are many undiscovered artists who are creating absolute masterpieces, but they struggle to they struggle as to how to even put hashtags in their tweets to get in front of eyeballs or navigate Google AdWords to promote their art. You know, some people are so myopic but really good at what they do that um, they're kind of limited in that way. The most successful artists have professional representation that help them piece together professionals that can grease the wheels on getting traction on the locomotive that hopefully becomes their freight train of a career. One doesn't have to be polished enough to do a TED talk on the nuances of their artists' artworks, meaning in the context of the broader art movement um, which with which they most closely identify, you know. It doesn't even have to be an academic bent to the way that one explains one's art, rather. I've observed that people just want to see an artist speaking confidently and intelligently on why they made what they did. Collectors like to see who is behind a particular work of art and what it means to them. If it means resonating, if the meaning itself you know, resonates with the art enthusiast, then they'll likely look at buying it. Introducing visibility is an exercise really well worth undertaking. For those that feel intimidated of others, fearing that they're going to be put on blast on the spot in a confrontational way by a passersby, demanding that artists justify themselves to him as to why, as the artist, one is asking for hard-earned $100 bills from your pocket for your drawing when he spent days or weeks to earn them, you know, it really isn't that bad. And it can get that bad, but... Um, very often not so. You know, I enjoy attending the Laguna Beach, California annual Pageant of the Masters Festival where costumed actors recreate famous works of art in the evening and artists line the streets showing off their paintings and engage with passersby about their work during the day. The works are often so expensive that it'll, it'll blow through any credit card's upper limits so artists facilitate purchase orders for invoice payments through a nearby partner gallery. In all of my times going, I've heard a few gasps when bending over to look at the army of zeros that follow a beginning number on the painting piece or tourists saying with an earshot of the artist, well, that's more than our house. And But I would say that art is largely a business of pleasantries compared to most professions. So the intimidation that many artists I speak with is, as I tell them, misplaced, thankfully. You'll have a person triggered as to why this part of culture is so valued while their situation in life makes them feel less valued. But I also often tell people that look forward to these con to look forward to these confrontational situations because the aftermath is that you will have experienced the worst of having to interface with the public in a professional capacity. Number three, an NFT business is a viable business. 
many NFT projects have royalty fees of 5 to 10% on every sale. This is a digital type of droid suite or artist resale rights that returns value to the artist with each transaction. This creates a permanent and recurring incentive for artists to make a splash in popular culture in the art world and essentially extends the freedom to them to have a baseline passive income while they're crafting more pieces and building their prominence in their chosen niche of, art, of the art world. This royalty structure is also why European artists have a comfortable retirement reserved for the south of France or Spain. With an active resale, with the active resale of works painted in their youth bearing fruit for the comfort of their retirement. No such law exists in the US and most all of the rest of the world outside of Europe, except for Australia and the Philippines. The California Resale Royalties Act, which mandated a 5% royalty rate for works over $1,000, was ruled by the federal Ninth Circuit Court to have been federally preempted by the Copyright Act, which affords no such royalty provisions. You know, these royalties minted in smart contracts do more to pr protect artists than most of the world's countries. Yeah, almost all of them, really. Largely because it's the artists themselves who are coding these NFTs. And NFT studios like NFTs DAO earn a handsome slice of the earnings of all NFTs minted and sold by the artist. Keep in mind that NFTs are not limited to visual images, but increasingly music and video are being integrated into powerful NFTs that share royalties with NFT holders. Podcast hosts will mint an audio NFT and distribute rewards earned from advertisements or offer other perks, including sometimes extended copyright rights to the holders of these NFTs. You know, we could be in a situation where a brand likes the song of an artist and they have sold the rights to the song in an NFT, although this is not as common, but should you want to license the use of a song, you would have to buy this NFT from its present owner, earning a healthy profit from the NFT holder as well as the musician through the royalty structure. So, you know, when they sell it again, a percentage goes back to that original artist. The vast majority of the cases an NFT is actually more of a licensed use of it, just like when you buy a print from the estate of Andy Warhol, you know, you're getting the estate itself that's stamping its approval to have this image, but you don't have the Andy Warhol image of Marilyn Monroe to your own disposal. So you have to be careful about the nuances of that. The possibilities outside of visual art is considerable, and the floodgates are already starting to burst with top electronic and hip-hop musical artists dipping their toe into the markets. You may have seen where Mila Kunis' NFT project requires that you own the actual NFT in order to access the Stoner Cat's cartoon content. So if you listen to Dak Shepard's podcast, she went on with Ashton Kutcher and really did a deep dive, and clearly she has a very keen understanding of blockchain, as does Ashton. I think Ashton has a fund for NFTs themselves in addition to another Bitcoin fund. Um, and this is just a work of art from one of the artists of NFTs DAO. So the allure of this model is not only do you have access to your desired cartoons, community credibility that you've invested in the space through owning the NFT, but you also stand a good chance of seeing appreciation on your NFT as a result of the supply demand imbalance between the number of people that wish to watch the cartoon adjust versus the number of people that have tokens that afford such, such privileges.
So consider this, when you buy a concert ticket, the actual ticket stub post-concert effectively holds no value beyond what you can sell it for on eBay for nostalgia's sake or if it was historically significant like a ticket to Woodstock. Rather than losing 99.9% .9 of the value immediately after the show, with NFTs you can regain, retain a good amount of value and possibly see an appreciation, and that is powerful. Stateside, you're seeing A-list celebrities like Mina, Mila, going in first in NFTs because many, because any other avenue of crypto like decentralized finance, DeFi, is a securities laws nightmare. Only huge blockchain projects presented by billionaires in Gemini or FTX were able to come to the table with the government relations, compliance, and securities lawyer's budget of the type of magnitude to attempt to operate in the U.S. FTX says flat out in their platform's token that their platform's token is not for sale to Americans under any circumstances. This speaks to the thorniness of securities laws and the antithetical stance that securities companies are taking to all things blockchain seeing it rightly as an intruder in the security space impugning upon their territory. You know, Western Europe, Asia, Australia, and Canada are more hospitable, and that's where most of these projects are based, with the Singapore, Hong Kong, Spain, and Portugal being particularly po popular. Uh, Hong Kong less so after uh, China's kind of um, trying to annex it by force. If you're interested in NFTs, check out the NFTs DAO, which is just nftsdao.com. Uh, this newsletter, which I have on Medium, uh, LinkedIn, Substack, Published Zero X, uh, and I think that's it. Uh, OpenSea, and your favorite uh, crypto periodical for the latest developments. If you like this article, yeah, send it to a friend. So if this was useful to you guys, let me know in the comments. And I'm happy to do these for all forthcoming articles. And if there's any topics that you want discussed, I'm happy to do that. It's just NFTs are just so hot right now. And I think it's different than the earlier part of the year because earlier part, you just had the, all the focus on Beeple. And with Beeple, you know, he had that big number associated with the Christie's sale. But if you look at Christie's auction house, this figure is not, it, it's up there, but they regularly have sales of this magnitude. And out of New York, you can get a lot of art loans. So I think this was an interesting situation. But I think what's far more interesting is the huge number of projects on OpenSea that are getting the traction that they are now. And the fact that this is more distributed and more all-encompassing makes it much more of a profound impact than anything else. But if you want more videos about DeFi, about Ethereum virtual machines, about cybersecurity attacks. This is a particularly good one. Uh, Chris Black is really knowledgeable. Uh, and of course, doing more interviews to you know AI professors like this gentleman is, and uh, th that sort of content that focuses on the blockchain, but also early tech, then I'm uh, gonna be doing that more regularly as well. And I have one uh, slated for this week and the following week. And we'll be doing a few more on trading itself uh, you can follow one of the trading accounts that I work with at Rekt, and they'll have some more trading tutorials on, um, I guess it would be FTX and a few other big ones that have perpetual funding and calendar futures. And yeah, trying to decipher what's going on, but also have a humorous bent on it all. 
you can see from a lot of these thumbnails that I don't try to take myself too seriously and these are kind of fun and I'm really trying to encourage people, especially in this video where I talk a little about the blockchain certificate uh, that I um, teach, that pivoting people into the space and computer science as an overall goal is I think the end goal of what I do and just keeping people interested in the process. So thanks for staying subscribed to the content and if you would uh, send it to your friends and I'll try to grow this channel as much as I can. Thanks guys. Have a good one.